Hey everyone, this is Gays with Kids, the podcast. I'm your host, David Dodge, the executive editor of Gays with Kids, and today's topic is a fun one, all about travel. So uh, that said, I don't mean to freak you out, but have you figured out what you're doing for spring break yet? It may be insane to be thinking about booking travel already for the spring, but travel experts tell us that things are already starting to book up. Uh, so now is actually a pretty great time to be thinking about it if you haven't yet. But where to go? Let's face it, figuring out destinations that are both queer and kid-friendly can be a little bit more challenging for our families than others. Uh, finding a place that is either queer or kid-friendly is never that hard. We might feel nice and welcomed at uh, an Atlantis cruise, let's say, but not so much in the way of things for kids to do. And while there's no shortage of things geared towards kids, from zoos to amusement parks to museums, we also don't want to feel like we're part of these exhibits and constantly on display because we're the only queer families that go to them. So that's why today we're going to be speaking with two travel experts who are here to save the day with some tips, advice, and more for gay dads and their kids looking to plan their next great getaway and safely because obviously COVID's still here and an ongoing concern. First, we'll be speaking with Denise Ambrusco Maeda, who's the founder of Travel Brilliant, an LGBTQ inclusive travel agency and our GWK travel expert. She has some uh, great travel tips and ideas. Um, and well, I might as well just blow the surprise now and let you know that we are thrilled to be working with Denise on a travel package for gay dads and their families for Spring Break 2022 at Universal Studios in Orlando. So definitely stay tuned for details on that. What better way to spend um, Spring Break than with a bunch of other gay dads and their kids? Denise will also have some other great uh, travel tips and advice um, for gay dads and their kids looking to plan their next vacation. Then we'll be speaking with Rob Taylor, who's one half of the duo behind Two Travel Dads. These guys run a website, podcast, and uh, popular social media accounts by the same name. And Rob's also the author of two books, The Road Trip Survival Guide and The Ultimate Travel Journal for Kids. Rob and his husband, Chris, are both extremely well-traveled themselves and have traveled together and independently all over the world. Um, and since having kids, they've crisscrossed the United States with their kids in tow and have spent months on the road with kids. So they have a lot of great tips and experiences to share about uh, what that's like to be uh, doing such uh, extensive travel with kids. They'll have some advice on some places to go. And I'll promise you that if, if you don't have the travel bug yet, you definitely will by the end of this conversation. So stick around for that. Um, and with all that said, we'll be right back with Denise. Welcome to the podcast, Denise. It's great to have you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Cool. So travel, it's a big part of my life. Um, and a lot of what I write about actually is mm -hmm. also travel related, but I'm not writing about gay dads. I'm writing about travel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I hate, I hate, I hate planning um, all the logistics, all of that. It is time consuming. It, uh, you know, it's definitely a first mm -hmm. world problem, but it's still yeah. a problem if, you know, uh, and it distracts from other things you could be doing with your life. So I'm, I'm wondering why you think, why is there kind of this rebirth of the industry generally? And then why kind of within the LGBT space? You know, the landscape of travel is changing. Um, years ago, the only kind of LGBTQ focused trips were really sort of like party cruises and things like that. And while those still exist and those are still very fun and people should still go on them if that's kind of what they're into, you know, as people are getting married and having kids and their lives are changing, the things that they want to experience are changing. And they don't want to have to worry about public displays of affection. You know, we want to be able to travel to places where we feel welcomed and we want to spend our travel dollars in places that we feel welcomed. And especially if you're a growing family, you want to hold your husband's hand. You want to give your kids hugs. Like you want to experience that with your children and have that reflected back in terms of like your family dynamic. 
So for those listening that haven't heard yet, we recently launched a whole team of experts that are going to help gay dads on everything from how to navigate your finances to legal considerations, to travel, to ways to be creative with your kids. Uh, and we're working very closely with a team of experts that we have personally reached out to and vetted, and we're very excited to be uh, working with. And Denise is going to be uh, shoring up our um, our travel content. Um, and so our first one of our first pieces of content that we have up there with Denise is a video about traveling with uh, trans children. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and I, I thought that actually you kind of hit the nail on a lot of uh, the reasons why um, it's important to be thinking through, mm -hmm. uh, um, or just how much more complicated it can be for uh, LGBTQ people and kids to be traveling, especially abroad, um, mm -hmm. in which you were talking about how, you know, screening can be different for uh, uh, at different airports around the world, and you mm -hmm. might not be thinking about that, so ways to mm -hmm. just be a little bit prepared. So I'm, I'm wondering, can you just uh, give people a little taste of, I mean, everyone should go to gayswithkids.com <laughs> and watch the video because it's incredibly helpful, but right. um, yeah, if you could give people a little taste of uh, those kinds of considerations that people aren't, maybe aren't thinking about before they go travel. Yes. So the video really does focus on a lot of the steps that you can take domestically to make sure that you're prepared at the airport. Um, and I'm not going to go through all of those tips, but the biggest one is always to just be prepared, um, not only to have your research done ahead of time, but I do recommend either printing off the information or making sure you have screenshots so that you know how to access it when you need to advocate. But I, it also is important that if you're traveling through airports um, internationally, they are not always going to do the same exact or have the same exact um, screening protocol that we do. And I can tell you, this happens to me all the time when I go to Mexico, because I forget that their liquids are less than ours, what they allow in your carry-on. So I'm always losing like my facial lotion. <laughs> I mean, that's a minor inconvenience, but obviously they will vary from um, country to country. So, you know, just making sure that you know what to expect, I think is important, but also making sure that your child knows what to expect. Right. This is what we should experience. This is how dad, I'm going to help you and advocate for you through the process if it doesn't go the way that it should. Just right. because, you know, I think the scariest thing for any child is the unexpected. Um, so knowing what they have the right to and that dad is going to be there with them through the whole process. And sometimes even when you shouldn't need to, you do have to make sure that you're advocating and that you're showing these people the right information. Yeah. So I think that's those are the most important tips. You also mentioned that it's just the the world of LGBT travel and uh, and how LGBT families are looking mm -hmm. has changed rapidly. Um, you know, it's not just um, Miami and New York mm -hmm. and Mykonos that are LGBT <laughs> friendly anymore. So our, our options have really opened up all over the world mm -hmm. um, and how LGBT families look has also changed a lot. Mm -hmm. So to but it can be it still can be difficult to find somewhere that's both LGBTQ friendly and Kid friendly, mm -hmm. <laughs> as you mentioned, right? Like not everyone's yes. going to go on uh, on yeah you know, some party cruise, as fun as those are. But that's not uh, it's not what every family is going to be looking for, mm -hmm. right? So there's family day in P town mm -hmm. that happens every year. It's been happening for quite a long time now, um, and it's a fantastic option to run by Family mm -hmm. Equality. Um, but what are some other um, destinations that people might not be thinking about in terms of? Um, family friendly LGBT travel. And I'm going to, I'll just drop another hint that this is another article that Denise has written for us. It's on our website, gayswithkids.com. Please go check it out. Uh, but so yeah, any, any options you give people for um, family and uh, LGBT yeah. friendly? Well, some of my favorites, and I'm so glad that like Mexico has already popped up in this conversation because it is one of the most LGBTQ friendly countries 
in the world. And absolutely, it's yeah. one of my personal favorites. We go about once a year. I, I absolutely love it. And so there's so many family-friendly destinations. There's stunning resorts all through the Riviera Maya, um, which is one of my favorites. But of course, you can go on the Cabo side. And they're going to cater to families. They're going to have, I mean, the Nickelodeon Resort just opened up in the Riviera Maya. So if you want to talk about a, a resort that's catering to families. Um, and then especially if we've got our gay dads that are, you know, millennials that grew up with Nickelodeon, you've got a good burger there, you've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So it's going to like harken back to the things that we loved as kids. Um, and we get to share those with our family, but I love it. And, you know, depending on the time of year, you can scuba dive in the evenings or not scuba dive, snorkel in the bioluminescence. You can um, see the whale sharks. You can visit the Mayan ruins. Um, and, you know, if you're planning to do, you know, um, any kind of like a vow renewal or anything like that, very welcoming of same-sex marriages in all of those resorts. So I love Mexico and I love a good all-inclusive resort to relax. And if they have got a kids club, that's great because you get a family time and then you and your husband can go and have a nice dinner. <laughs> Maybe because you might not have been able to have a date night <laughs> in a long time. Um, so that's one of my favorites. I love Hawaii as a, a gay-friendly travel destination. You know, some of the more unique ones, Peru is very gay-friendly and for our more adventurous families, obviously not for those little kiddos, but going to Machu Picchu. Um, if you've got kids that are a little bit older that like that adventure, um, it that is an amazing place to see. And culturally, it's just really a cool expedition. Um, and you can always tack on the Galapagos to that. So South America is really emerging in a lot of really cool destinations to take your family. And then one of my other favorite ones, one of my favorite ways to do Europe is a river cruise. And Ama Waterways is family friendly. And they've got some really cool experiences, but they've got a stunning Rhine River cruise that starts in Amsterdam, obviously gay friendly. Um, and it will end in, oh my goodness, Basel. <laughs> I almost forgot. So it's really a very cool experience. And oftentimes there's experiences just for the kiddos and the adults. So again, it's that nice mix of having family time but then maybe getting some one-on-one -on -one time with your husband that you might not usually get. Well, so this might be a good segue into, mm -hmm. so I teased at the top that um, Gays with Kids and Travel mm -hmm. Brilliant are collaborating on a very exciting spring break uh, trip that's going to be happening uh, from April 19th through April 23rd, 2022. Mm -hmm. um, so why don't you just talk us through what that vacation package is going to look like and how people can get involved. Yes, I'm so excited for this. Um, I reached out to our partners at Universal and they were just thrilled to be involved. Um, so we we're going to have a four night stay at the Royal Pacific Resort, which is one of the premium resorts on property. It's a stunning resort that, you know, they've got an on-site luau. Everything's really cool. Cool. It's on the lagoon. So you've got that boat transportation to the park, fantastic food on board or on board on site, <laughs> really great <laughs> rooms, really great suites. If you guys wanted to upgrade, they've got 
an amazing Jurassic Park family suite. Um, but I love that resort. And that boat ride from the resort to those parks and city walks is five minutes. So there is just the ease of transportation when you're staying on site. So this is one of their premium resorts. And we've got three days of park tickets. So the park tickets included in this. Now, Universal doesn't make the park tickets easy. So we've got a three-day, three-park, park-to-park ticket. Wow. <laughs> but what that means is there's three parks um, on Universal property. We've got Universal Studios, which is going to have all of your movie and TV-themed rides. The Hulk there, the Hulk coaster, the Men in Black ride, the Jimmy Fallon Escape from New York. Minions are all going to be in Universal Studios. Um, and then part of the Wizarding World, so Diagon Alley with your Escape from Gringotts is going to be in Universal Studios. And then you can take that Hogwarts Express right over to Islands of Adventure and be in Hogsmeade. So you're going to see the other part of the Wizarding World there. Um, and that's where all of your um, literary theme rides are going to be. People forget that Jurassic Park was a book before it was a movie. So your Jurassic Park is over there. Your King Kong is over there. It's um, really cool to be able to go between those two parks. And then Volcano Bay. It is so much fun. The water coasters, these are not just water slides, these are water coasters. All three of those parks are included for three days. And so that means you've got three days, three parks, and you can go park to park. So you don't have to pick which one you're doing. You can do all three in a day. And we've also got a private party planned at the Margaritaville in CityWalk. So we're taking over the top deck. We're going to have some food and drinks for everybody. It's going to be an opportunity for all the families to mingle. We're going to have stilt walkers and balloon artists for the kiddos and of course music. Um, and again, all of that is included. And then every day we're also going to have a casual meetup at the pool um, for families to take a midday re relax. <laughs> which oftentimes is needed. <laughs> Absolutely. At the top, I, I mentioned that um, Family Week in P-Town has been organized yearly uh, for family equality to give uh, LGBT families the opportunity to um, meet up and see, you know, there's there's parts of this country where, you know, queer families are living uh, with their kids and, you know, it can be weeks to months that go by before they ever see another gay or lesbian parent. Um, and, you know, that's hard on the parents. It can be hard on the kids to not see other families like there. So, uh, and we're hearing this over and over again from our audience um, that they want more opportunities to meet up and to be in community with other gay dads. So we're really excited about this opportunity and we thank you for um, taking the lead and helping organize it. Hopefully it'll be the first of many different opportunities like this. Um, so for those that um, are interested, please go to gayswithkids.com. If you go under our events uh, header, you can uh, see more information there. Um, and again, it's going to be in April. So, um, you know, hopefully um, we'll get that going soon. And um, and we're very excited to be partnering with you. Uh, excited about this upcoming trip. Excited about travel just generally. It's so nice yes. to be talking about the world of travel again. <laughs> so hopefully this is the beginning of, you know, a lot of other exciting opportunities like this we'll be doing with Travel Brilliant. Uh, but I can't thank you enough for taking the time, Denise, to speak with us for a little bit. Um, and we will see you in April. Please pay attention to Gays with Kids in the uh, intervening months. You'll see other great videos and articles from Denise in the future. Uh, we're very excited to have her as our travel expert. Thank you so much. I'm excited too. Welcome to the podcast, Rob Taylor, aka one half of two travel dads. How are you doing today? Doing okay. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So, so you build yourself as the 
first LGBTQ family travel blog. So when, when did you get started in doing this? Um, we've been around for seven years now. So um, it's funny how things have changed from when we first started <laughs> uh, to now. It's a very, it's a different world, both in terms of like blogging and travel and Absolutely, just the yeah. sheer number of, of two dad and two mom and just all the the entire spectrum of LGBTQ families that there are now. It's um, oh my God, yeah, a different world today than it's yesterday. Totally true. You cannot look at uh, TikTok or Instagram or anything without seeing, get, you know, getting that travel envy of these gay dads traveling all over the world. Uh, but so what, what was your impetus to, uh, to start it seven years ago? Um, well, our second son was born. And so with that, you know, I went on leave from work and really quickly was like, oh my gosh, all I do is, you know, change diapers, make formula. This is fun. Um, and it was um, basically I had this gap in my life because I had, you know, been a part of the workforce and been creating things and doing all this stuff on my own for so long. And then just putting all of that on pause once there was two kids, because one kid is, is actually pretty easy to manage. Two kids is a totally different ballgame. Yeah. And um, it was just kind of the natural thing to go ahead and actually, you know, use my English degree <laughs> to write something. And there wasn't, at the time, there wasn't another um, travel blog that was specifically for LGBTQ families. So this was just the perfect, having that second child was the perfect segue into starting that and getting to share our story. And I think that from then to today, um, how we view traveling as gay dads has changed a lot. I'm sure everyone listening is very eager to hear all about your travels and what it's like to travel with kids, what it's like to be a, a queer family traveling with kids. Uh, but because this is Gays With Kids and we like to do, you know, backgrounds on how people became dads and their journey to fatherhood. And so let's start there, actually. Could you talk a little bit about how uh, you and Chris met and at what point uh, you decided to um, pursue fatherhood? So, gosh, we met, gosh, we've been together for 16 plus years, so... Um, we met at a friend's birthday party years and years ago and it was awkward and hilarious. And then we just started dating and then we moved in together. We moved to California. We moved back to Seattle. There's lots and lots of stories in between. Um, but then <laughs> after, gosh, we'd been, what year was it? It was, I think it was probably 2009, 2010. Um, actually one of our friends approached us asking us if we were interested in, you know, being dads and we had never ever even once talked about it. No. <laughs> so it was kind of one of those things where, um, you know, those really awkward questions that put you on the spot and you kind of have to look around to see if somebody else is going to cooperate your story and <laughs> like, are you guys on the same page? <laughs> uh, we had to kind of press pause on that whole conversation and actually, um, talk about it for the first time. And we were like, okay, yeah, we, if, if this is an option for us, we can do it. Cause you know, Going back, you know, what is that? That's like almost 12 years ago is when we first started. It wasn't an extremely public thing or a common thing for, sure. you know, gay families to form. Of course, there are, you know, there are two, two dad, two mom couples that have been around for forever and have full grown adult children who have their own kids and all that yeah. stuff now. But it wasn't a very visible thing. So to us, it wasn't ever something that was really present in the forefront of our minds that it was an option. So when this opportunity was presented, we were really taken aback and had to take stock of what we actually wanted out of life, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, it, it worked out great that one of our friends, um, it was her cousin who actually wanted to, um, be a surrogate. So that's how we became dads was through surrogacy. And it was, it, it was really amazing getting to 
build that relationship with her before we became parents. So we, you know, we built that relationship, not just as like either co-parents or the birth mom who's giving away a baby to the, the new dads or something like that. But we built our relationships as friends. And then um, when our first son was born, Oliver, um, we just, we became even better friends and we really had to learn not just how to be parents, but how to, um, how to like kind of change our relationships with people, including one of our best friends who, you know, was our surrogate and, um, just navigate what it was like to, um, become parents and to continue on with life. And it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really an interesting and unique journey that we went on. Um, I'm sure there's other people who have been on something very similar, (laughs) but, um, it was very interesting. And then when Elliot, our second, um, our second son, when it was time for him to be born, we were kind of waiting for um, the boy's birth mom to, you know, be ready. And, you know, we're not pushing the pushing the subject because that's a big thing. <laughs> but um, we were waiting for her daughter to be okay with, you know, her going through that again. And she's like, hey, yeah, go have another baby. So <laughs> we went through the process again and had Elliot. And gosh, that was now eight years ago or so. Um, and here we are. It's just, it's been amazing. <laughs> No, that's great. And when it's funny because you kind of hit the nail on like kind of our whole purpose for founding Gay Sweet Kids seven years ago was exactly what you're saying is there's so many uh, LGBTQ people. And I think queer men probably in particular that don't um, think of fatherhood as something that was ever available to them, especially back then when you were like you're saying, it just isn't something that uh, is part of our normal day to day uh you know creation stories when we're when we're in relationships and or even you know pursuing this sort of thing on your own mm-hmm. uh so you know we've founded gays with kids to try to you know shove <laughs> positive portrayals of uh, lgbtq parents in people's faces to both help normalize it in the eyes of other people and also uh inspire those that you know, uh, had never maybe, maybe really thought about it for themselves to, to do that. So, and I know that this is a big part of uh, what you're hoping to do too, uh, through your travels is to, uh, you say in your website, it's a, it's part of your goal is to n- normalize the idea of uh, queer families um, in the places that you're traveling to. Uh, well, before we jump into that, why don't you just talk a little bit about how you made the transition from a dad of uh, two kids working at home to starting to make travel a bigger part of your life. Was it always a big part of your life before you started to have children? Yeah, so it's always been something that we have done. It's nothing, it's easy to say this out loud, but um, (laughs) there's no reason that life has to change drastically when you have kids. We see a lot of people have a kid and then all of a sudden shut down and they are, they stop traveling, they stop Mm -hmm. hanging out with friends, they all of a sudden are these completely different people, which yeah, parenting totally does change you, but it doesn't have to be that you cut out all the things that you enjoy in life. So becoming parents we just did what we always do you know go traveling with kids in tow (laughs) so it's it's kind of maybe it's because we were such hardy travelers before that you know having another piece of luggage (laughs) wasn't all that difficult for us to make that transition and i think that's also why um why it's so much fun and why we enjoy having, you know, two travel dads, like the whole blog, the podcast, the social, all that stuff. That's why we enjoy it so much is because for us, it isn't something that is a stressful, huge impact on life to travel and to show the kids the world. So I think that's um, what we aim for with every new piece of content we we create and every new story that we share is just to encourage people to 
see beyond the stressfulness of, oh my gosh, I've got to, I've got to book things for my whole family. And what's it going to be like when we get there? Are the kids going to like adjust to a different time zone? All this, all this stuff that could easily stress somebody out. Our goal is to show people that it, it doesn't have to be stressful. You can do it just like, you know, kids are resilient, you know, J just trying to show that side of parenting that kids are resilient and kids do learn things. And you can have a different sort of fun than you might be used to, but you can still completely enjoy the life experiences that you had before you were a parent as a parent. And now you have new people to share it with, which is even more exciting. Let's talk a little bit about how travel changed for you. You say um, online in one of your pieces that your first trip that you took with uh, Chris was to a road trip to San Francisco that was uh, full of fun stops and creepy motels, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> oh. And so, uh, so, you know, so obviously when you are traveling, it doesn't have to change that much life, obviously it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but like you said, my, some, one of my first major international trips, I uh, got burnt out from a job in my early twenties and I just picked up and moved to South America and ended up traveling for a year uh, with uh, a very good friend of mine for most of it. And, you know, it rung true very similarly. The the places I was willing to go, the places I was willing to stay <laughs> uh, was, was very different than now. Um, and not just because of uh, children, but um, can you talk about how your approach to travel has changed since um, uh, since you've had kids? So when you when you are traveling on your own or just with another adult, um, you do, of course, have to, you know, be considerate of like, your physical needs and that you will get tired and you will be exhausted or there'll be times when you just don't want to do things and stuff with kids. It's the same sort of thing. So what became very different um, with having kids in tow is that yes, while we know that they are resilient and while we still have lots of energy, we structure our travel differently to be able to have the best experience. Meaning that, you know, a 16 hour travel day, nobody's happy after that. And when you've got two kids that you also are having to consider and having to factor in, you know, where is their breaking point <laughs> and things like that, it, it just it really does change how you actually um, plan vacations and plan uh, day trips and things like that. You do you do, of course, when kids are younger, take into account things like, you know, nap time and, you know, wanting to be home and not wanting your child to be stuck in a car seat all day long, things like that. And now as the kids have gotten older, we're more considerate of, you know, are they going to be able to get sleep on the plane? When we get there, are they going to have jet lag and be really cranky for three days of, you know, a vacation or three days of a work trip? Like, how is it actually going to, um, how is the duration of our travel days and the roughness <laughs> of travel, how is that going to impact them? Because, I mean, if the kids aren't having fun, nobody's having fun. I mean, just to be honest, you know, we still do things that we enjoy, but we try to incorporate the things that we know will either keep them entertained or inspired. And that's the other thing that's really changed. We, you know, not just that, that travel duration each day, but what it is that we're doing to keep them happy on the road. Believe me, they, if they if they could just do tablets all day, they'd be happy on the road, but that's not how we operate. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> so that's why it does take more planning and consideration of what is going to keep the kids um, engaging with us and pleasant course, <laughs> while we're so. on the road. Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> Abs absolutely, absolutely. Kind of on a related note, so um, 
you talk about the uh, process of educating your kid, because obviously, you know, you're, you're, how much of the year would you say that you're traveling? Uh, well, I, we, you can answer that pre and post pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> pre COVID, um, pre COVID, we would be on the road two to sometimes three weeks per month oh. um, be between both Chris's primary job and then what we do with the blog. Because the blog is, you know, it's a full-time plus job. <laughs> um, so pre-pandemic, we would be gone constantly. And we were we were filming a web series with Best Western Hotels. Right. We were doing our own projects. Eh. Then COVID hit and we stayed home for a year and a half. Um, so now <laughs> that it has picked up, it's, it's interesting. Actually, the month of September, we were only home one weekend. Wow. So, okay, so it's, about, it's getting back. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of getting back into the swing of things. But now we're trying to find a much more sustainable balance than we had previously. So when okay. the kids were younger and school was not as integral to their everyday life, they, you know, they were, they were great being gone and traveling right. and seeing new things and missing school and not being around friends. Right. Now as they're right. getting older, that's very different. Oh, of course. <laughs> they of course. care much more about that. And while we still do an awesome job, I'm going to toot our own horn here. <laughs> we do an awesome job of educating them when we're on the road because the things we do are really historical or science oriented. So they're getting a different sort of education while we're traveling. But what they now miss, you know, we're, we're still filling the, the learning gap, but they're missing that social side that when they were younger, they didn't know that existed really. So that's that's something that's really changed and we're trying to find a much better balance with our travel schedule because they don't want to miss out on the time with their friends. They don't want to miss out on their friends' birthday parties and things like of that, course. even though, I mean, right now, let's be honest, nobody's having birthday parties. <laughs> <laughs> so that is kind of interesting. So this kind of forced uh, period of time where you had to stay home and kind of disrupt your kind of normal travel schedule with them. Uh, so yeah, what was that like for, for the kids uh, and for you um, to go from travel schedule to kind of such an abrupt being home all the time? Like, I mean, it was hard for everyone, obviously, but for someone that's so used to being outside of the house and traveling, I imagine it was a, a pretty rough change for, for you all. Yeah. You know, we had, we had big plans um, starting in like March of last year. We literally had six months scheduled out of both travel campaigns and trips that we were just going to be taking. We wanted to take the kids to China, got my visa, all that stuff. Um, and then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden they're like, wait, we're not going anywhere. What's going on? Because, you know, we incorporate them in a lot of the decision making, like they're not the final decision makers, but we, we talk to them about the places they want to go and what's going to interest them. And so to have, you know, these plans that we've been building together, just kind of ripped off the table. Um, it, Elliot was fine with it. He's our youngest son, but um, it, it took Oliver a little bit of time of like, wait, we're not doing, we're not going anywhere. We're not doing this. We're, what about we've we've been planning this, things like that. And so he um, took him a little bit to adjust to that and kind of accept our new reality. But then also at the same time, um, we moved across the country at the start of the pandemic. So we went from having all these big plans and big trips going internationally to um, you know living in a new state and taking day trips to places we've never been that were like a whole new world to us. So that was for us, it really, it made the transition of COVID. <laughs> it made that transition much easier is that we still had really new and interesting and exciting things to show the kids and for us to experience for the first time too. So that was, that was really helpful for us. And now that, now that things are starting to get back to normal and they're, we're talking about, you know, vaccinations for kids five to 11, which 
for us, we were excited about that. Um, you know, that's kind of starting to open up some more doors. And Oliver did ask, hey, so once we get vaccinated, does that mean we get to start going more places? I'm like, oh, you're putting me on that one. <laughs> so, so it is something where now that we've had this time at home and we're not being so crazy with things, we've got to really figure out just what how often do we want to be gone like at right. what point as they're growing up does it is it i don't want to say detrimental but um does it have a potentially negative impact on them Sorry. missing school and missing things with friends and stuff so we we really gotta it's new territory that we have to figure out how to navigate <laughs> but it sounds like at least for your uh your eldest it's something that um he's missing if he's asking about it so there's part of it that he's, yeah, but maybe like you're saying, not quite uh, three weeks out of every month, you'll be gone. But um, on some level, it sounds like it's something that they, they do miss. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Especially we took our first flight since all this um, in July. And that was really exciting to them. Our, our last flight that we had had before that was, um, it was in February of last year. And it was the worst flight of our lives where, you know, the flight attendants were sure. holding on and yep. people were like, freaking out and eh, really scary so oh, that like, was their last okay. yeah oh, no. <laughs> it was the scariest flight any of us has ever experienced and so that was their last flying experience and um so you know we needed to kind of purge that memory <laughs> right so it was really exciting when we actually did get to take a flight and go back to washington for the first time in more than a year to actually like say goodbye to family and stuff sure and right. um, they loved so being back on a plane and going through airport security <laughs> So you moved from Washington to where? To Florida. You know, we moved, you know, in um, April of 2020. So when the presidential election was really starting to ramp up and it was, that was something that was very interesting and um, stressful and a little bit scary was going from such a wonderful blue pocket as the Seattle area to North Florida that um, where it was, you know, Trump signs everywhere and all kinds of crazy things and confederate flags it was very um that was really jarring so sure. in the midst yeah. of you know the world being shut down and us knowing the dangers that are out there moving to this new place with such a different political climate with kids that was a really strange unique experience that yeah, you couldn't have picked is... more polar opposites i don't i mean literally on opposite parts of the country and yeah the, yeah, the, the yeah. and you know today different. it's it, today's a very different world here than it was a year ago which i'm so thankful and we've gotten to we've gotten to meet a lot of our neighbors and really you know break some of the stereotypes that we thought about a lot of florida people which is great but then also it's really helped us to learn what our community culture is like which is very different from the pacific northwest and i gotta say it, it encourages us to get back into travel and visiting other wonderful liberal pockets of <laughs> of the world um if for nothing else just to kind of refresh our um refresh how we look at humanity because there's things here that are you know appalling i'll just say recycling is its own issue here where people still use styrofoam for everything and have heaps of trash every single trash day like it's just a little frame of mind like that yeah. is a huge cultural change from Washington, where literally you put out your trash maybe once every two weeks if you have something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, so it's it's small yeah. things like that make it exciting to go other places again. 
people would assume that you're homeschooling children while you're while you're traveling and take them out of out of school but you call it uh world schooling which i really like <laughs> yeah. so can you talk a little bit about what world schooling is and how uh how you implement it within your your kids day to day while they're traveling yeah so and and world schooling is going to be very different for everybody so when we first started um the blog I was, you know, the kids were both still very small and nobody was in school. And then we just transitioned into homeschooling, you know, for kindergarten and first grade. And then we started going to public school and now we're here. For us, world schooling became this hybridized version of public school and vacation learning adventures, <laughs> kind of like that. So, you know, it, there's other people who um, got lots of other friends who do world schooling and they choose to um, have fully online curriculums that they actually are enrolled in where they've actually got online teachers and such. And um, for us, that doesn't exactly work because we want to make sure that we still have really good in-person interactions for the kids. So we've opted for a version of world schooling where they're enrolled in school and we have great communication with teachers to make sure that when we are taking them out of classes that they are not missing out on things that they should be learning and that we're able to actually use real life examples um, of wherever we are with whatever they would normally be doing in class. So it's, it's something that if you're taking your kids out of school or choosing to hit the road instead of enrolling them in a school, you really do have to figure out what works best both for you and what you are capable of as well as for your kids and how your kids are going to best learn because I mean some kids are going to be great at just getting an online curriculum learning those basics and then reading books constantly who knows you know it's it's very different we've got two very different learners in our household so we adjust things very much per each kid <laughs> absolutely and I mean I think like you uh like you write about on your blog it's um you know so clear that just through experiencing the world um you know kids are going to pick up and learn, you know, like you're saying, a different language, maybe a different currency, different measuring system. It's uh, just through interacting with the world and traveling, it can be uh, in, in the same goes for a local travel, like you're saying, just different, the difference culturally between Seattle and Florida. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, it's obviously like a day to day learning experience, which is true for adults, too, you know. Um, so I think that the, that concept um, resonates with me and makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. And that's um, something that have, like we've gotten questions about that before is gosh you're traveling traveling so much and pulling kids out and you're calling it like learning and culture but you're not going internationally and it's like well there's some, there's times that we do but within the united states we've got such drastically different regions with such varied history and culture and cuisine and the environment is so different that you know, you can travel around the United States and it's very similar to getting to experience 50 different Absolutely cities right. in Europe. It might not be as old and historic and gorgeous in it, in the European sense, but you know, if you're watching for it, it's, it's it, every place is a completely different world. <laughs> so do you have plans for international travel again? Like you were saying, you were hoping to do a stint in China. Yeah. Once everything is back open again, and I know that the world is really reopening, um, we do plan on, you know, taking the kids to Europe because I mean, Europe is amazing and Oliver really wants to go to France. So we love France and that's, it, that's an easy trip and it's easy to navigate. It yep. is something that is a really good transition trip before doing something really extremely different, like going to, you know, rural Chile or Peru or something like that. So, um, that's probably going to be our first big one is just, you know, Western Europe 
places that are going to be recognizable and where we already know some of the history and it'll be something that they'll be interested in and for us as parents is going to be easy to navigate with them and then um yeah once once things are really truly good to go everywhere we're gonna work on getting them to china chris and i have both spent a lot of time in china and we love it and we think it's a really special place that we really want to share with them and that's what i'm most excited about is taking them there oh, amazing Within your travel, so I, what I find fascinating about kind of the intersection of LGBTQ and family travel is that uh, I think a lot of people listening, uh, well, especially, you know, people that have kids at home that are listening that are that identify as part of the LGBTQ community. It's a it's a challenge in it of itself to just as a queer person, find places that you can go that, you know, you're going to feel safe and welcome and uh, and, you know, have an open, loving experience. Uh, and the same is true for family travel. So but when you're intersecting, you know, it's, it seems like the world of, uh, of options for places that are both LGBTQ and family friendly um, are small. But um, I, I, you know, I don't think that that's actually the case. And I'm sure through your travels, you found it to be uh, not true, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's a, a location or two that you can mention that uh, has surprised you at kind of the uh, offerings it's uh, been able to give you and your family as, uh, you know, as uh, two dads with uh, kids trying to, you know, show your kids the world. Yeah. Well, so within the United States, it's, you know, we, we freely travel wherever we want to because, I mean, we don't have any laws that actually can imprison us or do anything like that. So within the United States, we go wherever we want and we the only places where it's been truly awkward are like um, talked about this in many different blog posts, like rural Oregon and um, some of the smaller towns here in Florida and in the South. But even like today versus when we first, when I first started writing about all this, you know, seven years ago, um, it's a completely different world. And we have not been somewhere where we have been made to feel unwelcome intentionally in years which is really amazing so i think that's that's a huge growth that we've noticed within the united states is that when it used to be something where we would be genuinely uncomfortable we don't necessarily face that anymore like it's still something where we personally struggle we we don't we're not public hold like hand holders <laughs> and so that's something that you know even in seattle like that where we come from where it is a wonderfully liberal place and where you know we'll pass by 15 gay couples on a walk <laughs> we still it, it's just not something we do so like here when it is something where we start to kind of walk a little close then we we do kind of just feel that discomfort sure. um and i think that that's just something that's ingrained in us that is part of our own growth that we have to work on <laughs> but within the u.s we feel totally free with it it's when we talk to other friends who have taken their families internationally they they as well as us are very thoughtful about where they choose to go in that for us we don't plan or even talk about planning trips to places that have laws that will either separate us going through customs or where if we you know give each other a kiss in public where somebody could choose to report something and put us into either trouble or danger and that's something that a lot of people will say but you, you still need to go to those places that you know that visibility is what's going to make a difference and th that may be true but that's not something where we're willing to put our family and our kids in any sort of risk to do that at this time you know if, if somebody else wants to do that that's their choice but we're not going to be visiting places that have 
not just discriminatory laws, but laws that could put our family in any form of jeopardy because of who our family is. So that's that's where we're really cautious with it. So as far as internationally, we we go to Mexico and Canada whenever we can because it's easy. We know the countries and we know how comfortable we are and we know what we can do and where our protections are. So as the world reopens and we start to explore further, we might have a lot of different information. But as of right now, that's where we are because that's what we've done. <laughs> and yeah, it's um I wish I had more excellent recommendations. We we've visited other countries without the kids since they've been born and had a great time. We love Croatia. Croatia is my favorite. But um, you know, ask us in a year once we hit the road again and start getting more passport stamps. <laughs> then I will have some more info. Right about now is when, you know, the at least uh dads that are a little bit more with it than um than I am or others um that are a little bit lazier about this kind of planning. <laughs> maybe people aren't going to hit the road quite as much as you are, but maybe they're inspired to, you know, get on, get in their car and take a road trip for spring break, or maybe plan something for this upcoming summer when, you know, it's, it's hard to predict even a month down the road at this point, but um, where's somewhere that you would say uh, is kind of like off of like the regular, you know, like Disneyland, Disney world kind of uh, uh, obvious choices of where, where we know we can go, or even just like, you know, Miami, is there somewhere that jumps to mind that uh, would be kind of a unique experience for, um, for kids and, and dads? Yeah. You know, we go for hiking whenever we can. So with that, of course, national parks are going to be the spot. That's the easy go-to they've, yeah. you know, they've got great services. It's because they are, such a bastion of conservation it's you know you've got lots of learned people and you could feel really welcome but beyond national parks there's so many wonderful places like colorado is really really fun to explore and um we actually just came back from breckenridge um whew, that elevation will get you um <laughs> but yeah i mean places that um have lots of easy outdoor activities that are not necessarily cities are amazing. We've done a lot of exploring in Utah, um, Florida, even though people think the worst of Florida and there's, you know, there's, there's issues, but <laughs> Florida has so much incredible nature beyond Disney world that, um, I would without a hesitation, encourage anybody to come and explore like the rural Southeast where we've got caves and springs and wildlife unlike anywhere else in the country <laughs> like right. i yeah. it's just my favorite it's a it's it is incredible. gorgeous and that's the cool thing about florida is you can actually combine a trip to disney world with like an actual like you know exploring the everglades or something um uh yeah very like nature oriented down there uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned utah because that's where i'm from i was waiting for you to say it so <laughs> yeah no utah utah is really it's another one of those places that's kind of surprising just because if you know the history of utah and you know the population and having such a big mormon influence mm -hmm. you think that maybe it wouldn't be a super welcoming place or that it might be kind of one of those things where people are welcoming on one on one face and then you walk away and you're uncomfortable <laughs> but right. we've never had an experience like that in utah and so gosh getting like everything that is between the national and state parks we've gotten to explore so much and it's just it's amazing especially down around zion and snow canyon that is such a gem of a place and it's so it's so easy to get to that it makes for a really easy trip <laughs> 
It is. It's a yeah. It's a gorgeous state. I didn't know what I had growing up there. It was you know just in my backyard, so I kind of grew up exploring it without um, ever realizing. But the one place that you know it was so easy to get to the national parks from uh, living in Salt Lake. Um, but the one place that's kind of seared my memory is uh, the the trip that I took. That I was like, oh, this is actually very special and unique and different. Is Yellowstone because it really as for a kid it it looks like you're on on Mars. You know, <laughs> it's such like a crazy place. You know, with the geysers and the mud pots and everything. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, one option as well. Yeah. We've been to, we've been to Yellowstone as a family four times. Oh, yeah, Yellowstone well. is my favorite place. I've been there 13 times. I was just there last month. <laughs> it's pretty so incredible. Yeah. It's, it's the most incredible place. And you know, it's, it's worth, it's, it meets all the hype that you hear about it. And there are a lot of people depending on when you're there, but you know, it's, it's worth navigating and being patient because it is such a special place, especially with kids. Yeah. The abundance of wildlife and bizarre nature science. Right. Yeah, incredible. it really is. It's, it's very otherworldly. And it, yeah, for dads that have never been to, it will be just as impressive, I think. Um, and I, I think that's maybe the, the interesting thing about the national parks and why they could make such a great place for queer family travel is that uh, you, you mentioned Utah, you know, you hear of it as a it is a very deeply conservative state. It's a very religious state. Uh, the Mormon Church and its history with um, subjugating the LGBTQ community, fighting against marriage equality, all that stuff. So so you could uh, you could think you would go there and have a really negative experience. Salt Lake City itself is such a surprisingly liberal place um we've had gay mayors before it's a it's a uh it's a lovely place to visit especially if you're a skier but the the parks in the south like the you know you'll drive through, through some towns that like you're saying uh like in rural oregon same very similar to rural utah you might get some stairs uh here and there but the parks themselves are so overrun with uh uh tourists from all over the world that are mm. you know worldly and don't you know I, I don't think that it's as typical to have a negative experience in uh in the national park so i do think that they make for a really great um option for family travel so yeah utah's um, just not a great place to go for beer tourism that's <laughs> getting better it's getting better <laughs> but i can't know you're right i cannot especially from you coming from oregon i cannot um, i cannot argue with that <laughs> so you are also an author of uh two books surrounding travel and family travel uh you also uh, have a podcast um i'm jealous if you're set you're set up there <laughs> i was telling uh rob listeners that i'm like uh literally in a closet right now because my neighbor is renovating next door so i'm very jealous of uh, rob's very professional looking setup so i'm gonna have to emulate that in uh, future um, seasons uh but can you talk a little bit about just uh, other stuff um that you've been working on around travel and where people can hear your podcast find your books all that stuff yeah, yeah so um to traveldads.com is the main blog that's where we've got everything it's it's the hub for all things we do we um whenever we have a new podcast episode we also create a blog article that actually goes through it all to, you know, give you the links to everything that you need and actually get like actionable info for the visual people. Cause even though truth be told, even though we have a podcast, I cannot listen to a podcast for the life of me. <laughs> so, so when I, when, I, when everybody's like, Oh, there's such great info. I'm always like, Oh, I need really detailed show notes. So that's one of the things that we're really, um, we love to do and we're really careful about is giving really good show notes. So if you ever want a podcast that also has like the complete visual guide to go with it, then you can find that on our site. But then also, um, yeah, I've written two books. So I've done the ultimate travel journal for kids, uh, which is really cool. And everything in it, I tested out on my kids before it went to the publisher. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's been, that's been really fun. We've sold um gosh i think like 30,000 something copies of it which is cool never thought that would happen Congrats, and so. then um this year the road trip survival guide came out so um simon and schuster kind of took a chance on me with that 
and it's done really well too and um, Samantha Brown wrote the forward for that and that's just all about how to actually plan and execute a successful road trip um, everything from safety to um, planning out your daily schedule to gosh we got I think there's 27 different road trip itineraries for the US Canada and Mexico in it so it's um it was a really amazing project that I was so excited to have somebody else support. <laughs> So now I'm just um, drafting up my next book, which hopefully is going to be the Road Trip Survival Guide Part 2. Oh, amazing. That's great. We'll see. Cool. Congrats on all of that. You know, we're just really excited at Gazebook Kids to see where um, the road takes y'all next as the world starts to hopefully inch towards uh, being a little bit more open and travel becomes more likely. I know I'm very much itching to to get back out there on the road. So uh, thank you so much for taking some time and uh, let's check in with you in a couple months and see uh, see where the world's taking you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Have an awesome rest of the day and I'll listen to this podcast so I can hear how... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at least listen to our podcast. Thank you. (laughs) 